Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcast like Success Story, hosted by Scott D. Clary. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presenters, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship, our favorite. I recently enjoyed listening to Scott interview the CEO of This One Marketing and how he gave tips on hiring the best marketing agency for your business. Go check it out and listen to Success Story wherever you get your podcast. Are you a female entrepreneur looking to take your business to the next level? Then you have to check out our CO School April retreat happening in sunny LA on April 20th and 21st. This is a two and a half day retreat featuring the most amazing presentations, keynote speakers led by yours truly. And it's a way for us to get into the room intimately and work on your business and create a plan for success for a seven or eight figure business. You're going to be in the room with CEOs just like you at your level, all looking to scale and build a community around you that's going to be game changer. You've watched our retreats online for a few years. You've been wanting to get into the room. And now we are opening up applications for this retreat. It is application only. It is linked in the show notes. I want to invite you to be in the room. Half of the battle is getting in the room. I guarantee you that over the course of that week, we are going to change your business. Come spend two days with us in LA. I will be working on your business. Imagine having my brain directly on your business, unblocking all your business blockers and creating that path for you for a seven and eight figure business. You're going to leave with actionable insights. You're going to leave with streamlining operations. You're going to learn how to build your high performing team and honestly getting yourself out of the day to day as a CEO. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to invest in yourself, invest in your business and pull yourself out of the day to day grind to celebrate you and to to be around women just like you and to learn from incredible mentors. Come join us at the CEO School Retreat in April in LA on April 20th at the coschool.co. Link is in show notes. Come apply now. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and today I have such a fun episode and a founder here, Maya Monell, who is the CRO of an application called Navit. Now, we're going to be talking about this amazing financial app, but it's really based on psychology and wellness. And I've we've literally just been having a conversation right before the show, and I'm so excited to bridge something that we talk about so much, which is 
women and money, because we all know nothing bad happens when women make more money. However, money comes with stress, right? And so Maya and I are having a discussion today about the wellness of money. So you're going to want to stay until the end of the show to have this conversation because we're going to learn all things about financial and mental wellness and how that goes hand in hand. And that's exactly what Navit's mission is. Navit is a proprietary analytics platform and an application that assesses employees' financial and behavior factors and places them on a automated financial health coaching program. So the way Maya describes it, it's like Duolingo, Duolingo, but for your finances. So it's an amazing coaching application. Um, But what I'm really intrigued about is really learning from Maya, who is a female co-founder in such a, you know, male-dominated industry, how she started this company. We want to definitely talk about venture capital and funding and really how, um, you know, Navit is focused on, you know, her tilt as what she said is female millennials. And so I'm so excited to welcome Maya to today's show at CEO School. Maya, welcome, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to have this conversation. It's all about money and money mindset, but centered around health and wellness. It's the first time that I've actually seen the two, you know, uh, you know, been talked about or an application that I've heard of being created for this. And there's so many applications that are centered around our mental health now and our fitness and our sleep. And like, there's just like an endless amount of like wellness applications, but I haven't seen this centered around finances and money. And so this is so awesome that you guys have created this. I would love to hear about what is Navit, how you got started and why you created this, this product. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for the opportunity again. Um, really excited to be here. So my co-founder Aaron and I both come from healthcare, okay. um, which is immediately a differentiator from the majority of founders in the fintech ecosystem. I'm literally just coming back from a big fintech conference uh, last night, so so bear with me if I sound a little haggard. But it's it's really true. We, you know, everybody has to navigate their finances, right? The two constants in our life around our health are, you know, our, our, our physical performance, like we only have one body, we, we have to treat it really well, and all of us have to manage our finances. Um, we believe really strongly that every single individual should really command their own wealth, kind of like you said, and it's ever more important for it to um, be an available opportunity, like wealth creation to be an available opportunity for women uh, who have, you know, all of who have been left out of the equation uh, to date. So when Erin and I met in 2019, she's a behavioral scientist running, you know, huge uh, behavioral based programs out of actually Western Africa. She came back to the States and she had this wild idea that she could apply effectively her one-on-one kind of coaching scenarios and behavioral improvements to an application to make it at scale, make it more affordable, more accessible to other people. Um, I come from fitness technology where I scaled a B2B fitness app that was really one of the first apps in market. It was was B2B to C, still actually exists today, where we were helping to automate and therefore assistant coach strength and conditioning. Um, so we worked with professional athletes all over the world. We went into gyms. We kind of went cross market and, and down funnel. It was really fun. Um, but again, the premise was how do you better serve a, a v- wide variety of consumers by taking not just quantitative variables like 
um, you know, how much they train in the fitness context or how much they make in the financial context, but also how do you use some kind of qualitative metrics, make them a little bit more granular so that you can build out behavior models that really understand uh, who that human being is, right? We always say that finance has historically done a really great job of bringing point products to market that serve an acute need, often forgetting about who those actual consumers and consumers are that need those products and how that one product intersects with all of the other situations and experiences across one's life. So uh, in 2020, we launched you know, the, beta, the beta app. We wanted to focus on the market that we understood most in a beta in a beta environment, which was female millennials, because we are we are them, and we saw this um, really inflicting the uh, really preventing the performance of so many of our friends. Right, financial stress um, that leads to chronic stress was really inhibiting uh, wealth creation for women all around us. So we wanted to tackle that issue. As we started to really dive into those behaviors and starting to correlate how you spend, save, earn, and protect your wealth with your financial stress and confidence, it kind of opened up this Pandora's box of opportunity to not just service millennial women, but also reach a broader audience. And so then the question became, do we bring to market a one product solution like everybody else has done and focus on one kind of key pain point? Or do we start to sell through employers so that they can subsidize the costs of a subscription wellness product that's really similar to like Noom or again, I love the Duolingo example or one of these other health or educational apps that have really transformed the way a user um, thinks about certain areas of their life, right? Like I'm horrible at language. I grew up in South Florida. I grew up, my husband's Colombian. I still cannot speak Spanish fluently. And so I was, you know, definitely a laggard on the Duolingo and kind of these app-based language platforms. I finally picked it up um, like six months ago and I've seriously excelled. I do it every day and it's completely transformed my relationship and frankly, like my perception of how capable I am at doing this thing, which is learning another language. And that's effectively what the best fitness health, uh, health apps have done in the past, right? It showed consumers that even if you've never want, you know, I'm a big athlete, but even if you never wanted to be an athlete in your life, you hated fitness, blah, blah, blah. You just have to find the right tool that understands your behavior and those hangups in the right way to flip your mindset and your mentality about what it means to do that action. Uh, and and we, you know, there's a white space for that in finance and we've, we feel like we're capturing it. So I, that's, I love that's this. I'm so intrigued <laughs> by this one, just, uh, my background in FinTech and just what, and you're so right about acute solutions. Like you nail that. And that is the financial market today. It's all about solving like, um, truly the transaction. And it always comes down to like that point of it. And that, I mean, that is finances in general, but the mindset behind it and what, how you're approaching this, I think it's so genius. I absolutely love this. So I have so many questions for you. Um, and one particularly, so I love that you're focused on, um, you know, empowering millennial women, you know, what are the things that you're fi finding and like, what are the biggest behavioral things and stressors that you're finding that the app is now trying to change the behavior for so you were talking about, um, health and wellness and like, one of the things that's like just getting movement, 20 minutes of movement in a day can change that behavior. Like what are the things that you guys are finding that is attributing stress and finances? And just give me some details on like how as women are we navigating this and what could we be doing better? Like what are the biggest things that you're seeing? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we started uh, started seeing this from an early, early days. It was great that we started with women because women are also more open to having honest conversations around the inhibitors to their performance output, right? Like we're, we, uh, you know, fortunately, I think one of the positive aspects of being a woman, woman, and I clearly think there are many, I love being one, but um, we are more in tune with our emotional state and therefore I think more quick to maybe in a negative effect, judge uh, that feeling, but also try and understand and unpack it. Um, And so what we found really early on was this mounting financial stress was often a result of just frankly for financial paralysis, right? Recognizing that like, oh, I've, I've never seen another woman in my life effectively navigate her finances. So surely I'm not going to be good at it either. Like there's a lack of representation in the space. And I think that really trickles down to the end consumer. You know, we're also a product, uh, me speaking as a millennial, and certainly this isn't the case for a younger generation, but my mother didn't have access to credit until she was 28 years old. So she didn't actually have access to generate her own wealth in many ways. Um, as as my father did. And so I think that that was also kind of an inhibitor. If you think about your own kind of parental lived experiences, all of these factors we know, right? When we talk about mental health, when we talk about emotional health, we know that we, we experience the world from a lens that's been informed by past experiences, past traumas, whatever that looks like. And so what we've really been unpacking, which surprised us early on is like, what are the root causes of that financial stress? And frankly, how easy is it to shift and mitigate and reduce that financial stress when you boost your confidence? And confidence is a really, um, I think, fickle thing because it's actually, for finances, it's actually a really easy um, like pain point to solve for. You know, it's maybe harder when um, we're talking about physical confidence or like emotional confidence or certain aspects of maybe our other other aspects of our health. But at financial confidence, you can see shift really quickly because there's such a baseline. Um, you can start to see that when, you know, you you come into the app and we say in three minutes a day, we'll improve your financial health. So you take a quiz, you do an action. We have these transaction swipes that we love to talk about. So instead of looking at your like monthly balance, you see your last 24 to 48 hours of transaction history and you swipe left if you don't like it, right if you, you know, it made you feel good or up if it's neutral, like a utility. So again, trying to break down the like, Finances, they don't need to be scary. They also don't need to be mundane. They don't need to be all of these conflicting points that like result in that. I mean, paralysis. I want to date my finances and swipe left and right on my transactions. Right. 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 Like it's right like up a rally for this audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, how do you just unpack all these silly stereotypes around what it means and who can manage money effectively? And like, once you start to do that, I mean, we see people that go through the automated coaching program, and then we also have in-app human coaches who literally start to change their mindset and reduce their stress in a week. Like, yes, we want to see longer longer time horizons and we see that we can reduce financial stress on average by 50% month over month and, you know, a six-month period of time. But I think it's also really cool to just see, like, in one week, uh, you know, users that go through pilots and we have a continuous learning program that say, no, I actually, like, think I can do this. 
after one week on Navit. Like that's a huge, huge indicator of, I think, you know, future success, right? And then and then it just gets down to the nitty gritty of like, this is why you need a budget. This is why a budget isn't scary. This is why you need to set up a savings account. You can contribute to a savings account whilst you pay down your high interest credit card debt because we're gonna help you make sure that you have that same, that right strategy in place for you, not, you know, some templated approach. Uh, it's, I think coaching, Again, back to what we see in fitness, right? Coaching is the key to unlocking better outcomes um, for your health. And so we just need to apply that same um, personalized coaching environment to financial management. I think that applies to anything in our life, right? It's accountability, right? At the end of the day, when you are when you have accountability, and that's what a coach is, it's an, it's an accountability yeah. partner, you perform yeah. better. That is why, yeah. I mean, I we have programs for women in business. And yeah. when you talk about confidence, that is the number one, like our big goal here at CO School is to drive, you know, 100% of women to build a million dollar businesses. Less than 2% of female founders ever break a million in revenue. And if I were going to attribute what is like the cause of that, number one, it's the confidence. Like it's just the confidence to show up and say, I can actually do this and set a goal mm-hmm. that's scary yeah. and that's big and to drive to that. But having that accountability component is what's going to drive it. So I 100% agree with that. My question yeah. for you is like when you're talking about the stress levels or the stressors that you see on a behavior side, what is causing that? Like, is it not having money? Is it having too much debt? Like, what are the like, the biggest factors of financial stress uh, and how is Navit solving that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there, there are certainly a couple of components, um, but what we do see is that it's um, unrelated to household income. Okay. So whether or not you're making $35,000 a year or you're making $250,000 a year, we all have financial stress. It's a matter of how mounting it is. Often financial stress can be kind of acutely found around um, key life experiences. So for instance, if you have any friends that are having children for the first time, right? Like you start to see this like shift, I think around, you know, maybe month eight of their pregnancy that shows like, oh, she's starting to really stress out about like the cost of living moving forward. But that's just one example. You can apply that to a change of jobs. You can apply that to a change of location, right? You can apply that to a change of economic circumstance that really feels mounting and burdensome. But what we again see is that like the biggest trigger to acute financial stress is a lack of confidence. Often confidence comes because people don't feel like they've ever managed their money or lack of confidence comes because people don't think that they've ever managed their money well enough to actually overcome an obstacle. So a really clear example of this is high interest debt, right? Or high interest credit card debt. It's a pretty, um, compounding effect on your life when you choose to only pay a minimum balance off your credit card every single month, right? It's very hard to change and auto-correct. Now you can absolutely do it. And that's one of the key experiences that we're tackling in the app to make somebody more credit worthy. However, um, I think people really internalize the also usually the early decision make, uh, decisions that were made in our early career or early adult life that we feel like we have not overcome. But the minute you start to overcome financial obstacles and you start to see even incremental wins, like literally in the, the week win of like, oh, I kept, I kept on track with my budget this week. Like, you know, I checked in on my financial stress every week. Like the minute you start to see these incremental changes in your habits and behaviors, you start to feel a boost in confidence, which reduces your stress because it's, 
you know, life is tough. Life is hard. <laughs> like we all go through ups and downs and significant um, hurdles, right? But we have less stress when we recognize that we, even when we hit a barrier or a hurdle, we do have the confidence in overcoming it because we've done it before. And I think that that's really key. You see this in weight loss, you see this in, 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 in training performance, you see this in mental health, uh, you see this in emotional health, you see this in nutritional health, you see this across all these other kind of pain points of your health system. Uh, but what you don't really focus in on is, is the financial component. And that's really what we're trying to address. I think this is so needed. I love this. I'm like really excited to yeah. download it and like go check it out because I do believe in like the science of behavior and how you can change its habits, right? It's literally how you view things. It's even the yeah. perception of it. Um, and money is stressful. It's a beautiful thing, but it is stressful. I mean, more money, more yeah. problems, right? That should probably be the title of this episode. Yeah. And you're right. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. You still have stress around finances. I have, yeah. I'm very successful. I've exited my company. I've sold my company twice over and have yeah. a very comfortable lifestyle, yet still we have to have money dates. Like my husband and I have to sit and still discuss our finances and just managing wealth and, and making sure that like we're like, there is still so much stress around finances. And the thing that I find about women and, you know, after just serving a community of this amazing, about this community that we have of amazing, amazing female entrepreneurs, the thing I find about money uh, for women is the lack of education around it. Like I believe that like yeah. we've literally been left out of the conversation from such a young age about finances. Like why don't we teach kids in school, for boys and girls, how to manage money and just making it, making it part yeah. of our like day-to-day, -day, you know, like this is going to be our life currency, whether it looks like Bitcoin one day or it looks like something else yeah. another, like, yeah. you know, this is financial management is such an important piece. And I find that women are so we're left out of the conversation so early on. And then, yeah. you know, I've seen it, you know, firsthand and, I, you know, you, you had mentioned it as well of like, just like the women in my life have never managed their, their own money. Like when my father passed away, my mother could not tell you where anything was. Uh, at yes. all. And just like the full dependency on like the role, uh, the gender roles in like, a, you know, in a partnership of like who who does what and like it, it, there's so much that we're left out of. But I find that the thing that is really lacking is that education component. And we're brilliant. We're smart. We're intuitive. Like once we know the playbook, we can execute the playbook, but we just haven't been given that playbook. And so I want to hear a little bit about how, what your thoughts are around the education component of it. There's a behavior component of it. Do you guys focus on the education component of it? What are you finding in terms of, of that? Are you sick and tired of wasting your precious time on tedious tasks like pulling reports, rewriting blogs, and trying to personalize countless prospecting emails? Well, say no more because I've got some new AI tools that are going to blow your mind. Introducing HubSpot's newest AI tools, Content Assistant and ChatSpot. Content Assistant uses the power of OpenAI's GPT-3 model to help you create content outlines, outreach emails, and even web page copy in just seconds. And in case that wasn't enough, they created ChatSpot a conversational growth assistant that connects to your HubSpot CRM for unbeatable support. With chat-based commands, you can manage contacts, 
run reports, and even ask for status updates. The easy-to-use CRM just got even easier. Head to HubSpot.com slash artificial dash intelligence to get early access today. Yeah, hugely so. It's a great question. You know, and, and back to the why finances aren't taught in schools. We have a partnership with Montana State and a couple of researchers really all across the country um, to unpack that. And something there's a really brilliant researcher out of Montana State, Carly Urban, who identified that the reason why only 4% of public high schools uh, have a personal financial management course is because they can't find the educators who feel confident themselves enough oh. to teach the course. Wow. Yeah. So we have a long way to go in this country um, and I think many other many other markets as well. Uh, so we do feel like it is part of our responsibility to introduce education. Unfortunately, by and large, our industry has has, I think, rightly so found that financial education alone does not work. Um, so when you look at the workforce, 40 percent of the workforce doesn't know about the financial benefits their employer offers to them because they don't know, they can't question, they can't form the question to then seek out the resource, right? Like they don't know what they don't know. And it's a really big problem, which is also why we've really been focusing in on the workforce. But um, to, to that point, I think that education can be unlocked and can be a viable functionality of, you know, a comprehensive fintech when you pair it with action, right? It's not enough to send a Dave Ramsey PDF to your 10,000 workers. Yeah. And Dave, like call me later. I really don't like the Dave Ramsey program. <laughs> um, but he and many others, and, and you know, the big guys do it too, right? Like the big brokers and RIAs do it too, where they're like, oh, don't worry, Costco employer, we offer financial literacy programs for your workforce. So, you know, they're getting paid a percentage of um, account uh, assets under management. And then they just tack on this PDF or the six week program or a workshop or whatever. They do the thing. And then employees can't retain that information because it's it might feel acutely needed at that point in time. But what are you supposed to do with that? You can't like open a savings account the minute you read the PDF because you're at work doing something else or you can't um, you can't really actualize. And it's not a one and done actualize. thing, right? It's not like a real, yeah, it's you not can't a actualize. Yes, yes. Right. So we'd rather, again, do it in bite-sized pieces, kind of like a, you know, a language learning yeah. platform where it's like you're teaching them through quizzes and action and intention and mindset and all of these different comp components. And then you're feeding the data back to them, right? I think that that's really important as well, because like, again, I could read, I could read a memo every single day, but if somebody's not asking me about the thing that I learned in the memo, or I'm not seeing that I read it every single day for, you know, 90 days, or I, or I moved my, you know, I, I started spending 10% less because I was doing that educational component. Like if I don't have that reinforcement, then I'm far less likely to actually change the habit and improve the behavior long-term. Again, we see this with fitness all the time. You see it with nutrition, right? Like it's really hard to get on a nutritional plan, but it's really easy to stay on it once you've lost your first 10 pounds or you've gained your first 10 pounds or whatever your nutritional goal is, you know, you need that positive reinforcement. And ironically, you can actually see positive reinforcement far more quickly, like positive financial outcome far more quickly because it's the difference between spending again within your budget in a certain category for the week or not. 
Yeah. Right. Nothing is as quick um, as a result of positive behavior change in our healthcare life than that. So I, I, I've never understood the disconnect, but that's really what we're starting to focus on. I love it. And I love that you consider yourself uh, a healthcare, like a health, well, it's a wellness company. So how do you yeah. measure success? Like, so, you know, as a you know, co-founder and like the chief revenue officer, like how do you measure success um, from a wellness standpoint, not just from like a financial metric standpoint? Yeah, so we we've done we've built out the company a little bit differently in that we don't have like siloed divisions of product and engineering and marketing and sales and and kind of you know everybody living in their own ecosystem of support. Um, engineering and product are obviously kind of you know and we're still early stage, so they work very closely together. But our growth team is actually a huge. Um, representation of the product team because we're still focused on that research and development right like the our biggest areas for um, opportunity and the biggest metrics that we're tracking are all around the key determinants of financial health and quality of life so we're and i have to apologize i have a dog here who's like snoring right under my desk (laughs) and i wish i could see him i just got a. I have a baby pup and a puppy he's five months old and he's like 80 pounds now like it's we have a golden retriever puppy that we got in january and he is so cute but so obnoxious like he's like a giant baby and is like not like literally tearing my house apart but Uh, I have a Labrador. I don't, uh, she's three now, but I remember that time period. Um, Anyway, so in terms of our key metrics, we're focused on, again, the the quality of life indicators. So like, are we actually improving your health outcomes, right? Are you sleeping better? Are you less financially stressed? Do you feel like you're more motivated to go to work and to show up for your family and to show up for your friends? Um, Like how is your literal mindset around these key experiences that we all have in our lives being affected by the way in which you manage your money. So then on the other side of that, you know, are we helping you um, save more? Are we helping you improve your credit score? Are we helping you pay down high interest debt? Are we helping you move into wealth generating opportunities? Like these are very traditional and you know this, like these are the core metrics to any good financial health platform. Um, And then how do we marry that with good financial health means better long-term outcome, like health outcome and, and longevity. Speaking of wealth generation, so something that I do find, um, you know, about the financial products and markets, it's saving, saving, savings, budget, 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 which is one component of our financial well-being, which is important. But we can only cut so many costs. And in, in my yeah. viewpoint, it's about making more money as well, right? And so the, the way to actually have financial freedom is to earn more. And so earning more is a big component. Um, And, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, like our tagline here is nothing about happens when women make more money. And that's something that from a job creation standpoint to a business standpoint, like every woman needs to know her worth and needs to ask for her worth and build that dream life and business. How have you thought about wealth generation within like what does NAVA do for wealth generation? Uh, and like, what are this? What is like the psychology behind that? I'd like, love to get like into yeah. the behavioral part of that as well. Yeah, it's a great question as well. Um, so there are four components, right, to your financial life. It's the way you save, spend, earn, and protect wealth. The way you save is just kind of a launch pad, right? Because 
we all know that it is important to have some level of liquid cash set aside for an unexpected so that you don't have to say use your credit card to float a high expense that you can't pay off you know in full at the end of the month so that you don't spiral into say high interest credit card debt so you think about savings and protection i almost think about in the same way Um, and then that allows you to think more clearly and level-headedly around okay i'm baseline protected now, how am I going to grow my wealth? And that includes how are you going to grow your savings, you know, passively, right? We have money market accounts that are set just for this. High yield savings accounts are a really effective way um, to, you know, to, to earn more from the really great behavior you've set out for yourself to protect yourself and your family from an emergency. Um, and I think, you know, earning potential is a huge component too. We now live in a world where, we can unlock access to earning potential just through, you know, our screens every single day. So one of the key areas that um, we do encourage, or we call our customers navigators, we do encourage navigators if they are looking to make a move to a more expensive city, or they are looking to up, you know, upgrade their expense, their, their you know, uh, expense ratio. Yeah. Yeah, and their lifestyle, then maybe take on a side hustle. You know, this is a effect so effective, especially in your early twenties when you're like, you remember that time where like you you have all the time in the world. Yeah, you have all the time in the world. You have your primary job, and you're also just like a sponge for information. So why wouldn't you take on a side hustle or a side gig? Like there are all these amazing platforms for the gig economy now. It's a really effective way, especially if you can't concretely see how you can eke out savings from your base salary, go ahead and find a side hustle that helps you establish that savings. And then once you've, you know, set that percentage aside, whatever, you know, we can talk about that offline, or you can go tap into an avid coach to, to help with that recommendation, then you can continue on the side hustle and start to invest in, you know, I would say traditional safer asset classes. I'm not going to tell you to like go into, you know, a crowdfunding rate tomorrow if you have like no baseline exposure into public equities funds, right? But I do think it's it's really critical. And then that leads to the point of investing is the sexiest topic in financial services, which means that it can be the most accessible to a newcomer to financial services. It can also then that for that same reason be the most risky. I mean, we see this with the RAs like Robinhood all the time, right? Where you I wouldn't necessarily recommend stock picking. You're, you know, if you're not a day trader that that grew up in that way, then yeah. I wouldn't recommend that choice. But it is really critical. So again, this is where I think literacy paired with action is really key. Um, the first thing that you can do is, frankly, and hopefully, find a um, career in an employer that has a 401k program, right, or a pension program, no matter where you, or where depending on where you are. But use the tools and the benefits packages at your disposal to start to earn more while at your existing job. I think that that's also really, really key. I mean, we now have a couple of um, key pieces of legislation like Secure 2.0 that's going to make it that much more accessible for you as a worker and a member of the workforce to find employers that have compelling uh, retirement packages. And and that's, you know, it's so unsexy to talk about retirement at 22. But at the same time, it's how it's how you're going to be set it's, up. For it is so sexy to talk about retirement. I just retired <laughs> January 10th, by the way. 
Uh, and I mean, at 35 yeah. years old, and I don't think I'm, I'm not fully retired, but I can be. And I'm very happy yeah. about it. It took me 10 years and I did it in my 20s, which people ask, like, how did you build a billion dollar company? It's like, because I had all the time in the world, like before I had kids. Like, Yeah, you had so much time. So yeah. much time. Now yeah. I have two kids under six and uh, it's been really hard the last several years. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it anymore. Uh, Maya, before we close this episode, I got a couple more questions. We've got a lot of amazing entrepreneurs in the room who have dreams of building an app, a tech platform. How did you secure the funding? Like, what were the initial early days? Like, what advice do you have to the early founder in you that mm -hmm. didn't have the go-to-market figured out, that you didn't have the fancy people and tools? And, you know, we're having the dis this discussion today, but it was once yeah. on paper. So can you take me back to what it was on paper and what yeah. advice do you have for the women that have an idea for a product but are struggling to figure out funding or getting it to market? Yeah. Um I'm sure they'd love to hear your advice. Yeah, I mean, of course, and I know this is an annoying answer, but like it depends on your market and the product that you foresee building out, right? Like not every opportunity is venture backable. Um, I also run a venture fund in my not so spare time. So I understand the other the other side of the table and that it's really hard, especially if you're impactor, if you're an impactor of an founder to build out a solution set and then learn that, you know, you can't just unlock 10 millions of capital tomorrow. Like you have to build a revenue driving business. Right. But it's real. I think it's really important to understand what your access is to uh, capital and sustainable raising looks like, because it doesn't have to lead to venture. And, and it's a difficult time right now in venture. That said, if you are building out a high growth tech um, you know, platform, you were probably leading yourself into venture capital. If you're in the early stages, you know, we bootstrapped. We were very grateful to be able to have done so. We kept our day jobs for a while. We did, took on consultancy gigs. I mean, Aaron still works for a couple of really large funders every once in a while to do these insane behavior-based projects all over the world because because it feeds her soul and I think it feeds her creativity. And I also think that from a founder identity perspective, that's really important too. So the way in which I think you can effectively do that, um, and the world is changing than when we started, right? Like we still needed kind of a CTO as soon as possible to build the app. Like there are so many low code, no code platforms and resources that you can now use as a founder to be able to more affordably bootstrap your business to at least prove out your hypothesis with a some segment of users, right? You need, I think, really early data now more than ever because there are no more excuses. Like it's it just a dev team to bring something low code, no code to beta is not as expensive as it once was for all of us. So I really think it's important. And frankly, also from a funder perspective, and I know I come from a very privileged place to say this, but you know, it shows you have stake in the game when you can bootstrap and you can be scrappy with your finances. You're not just like one of those. I, I love them, but, you know, my my white male friends who just walk into Silicon Valley and like just get $50 million with a PowerPoint. That's not a sustainable way to scale a business. And it doesn't and happen that way anymore either. No. And also that's, yeah. you know, if you're not coming from a place of wealth in the first place, that's also not how you're going to build intergenerational wealth because you're going to be so diluted by the end of the day. You're not actually going to retain a meaningful amount of ownership to do whatever you want at 35 once you sell the business. So 
I, I think it's really important. I love to talk to founders about this. I'm happy. Like, I'm sure you'll send my contact in the show notes. I think yeah. it's really important. Um, it's a really important thing to get right. And it's, you know, again, it's now easier than ever to, you know, kind of do it yourself and get scrappy about it. I love it. That is the best advice. It's exactly what I would have said is to, you have to bring it to market from like a viable way. And there are, it is so much easier. It's not easier. It's not easy, but it is there. The barriers to entry are a lot lower than they used to be. And so um, that's really, really great advice. Maya, this has been such a fun conversation. Like it's like literally I have like a notes full of like more questions to ask, but we're, we're out of time now. Um, congratulations on building uh, this app. I, I'm super geeking out because this is like an industry that I'm really excited about. It's supporting women, which is like all I want to support. And it's really about changing it's changing the world, in my opinion. And I think this is just absolutely genius. I love that there are two women at the helm of this. Keep on going. We are here to support you. So tell us, how do we support you as a CEO school community? Where do we get the app? How do we tell our friends? Where do we find you? Because we want to blow it up. I so appreciate it. This has been such a fun conversation and like truly meaningfully, if I can be supportive to anybody out there listening and certainly to yourself, do let me know. Um, But in terms of where you can find us, I mean, you can find us on the app store, nav.it. Just search for it in your your preferred app store and you can find the app. Uh, And we are tilting toward the employee benefit model because it's really impactful for mass, you know, a mass workforce to get access to all of the cool functions and features in the app. So if you are, a employer and you're looking to improve the financial health uh, of your workforce, I'm happy to help prove out that ROI for you and would love to have a conversation. So you can also reach me uh, over email at Maya, M-A-I-A at Navit, N-A-V.it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Maya, for your knowledge today. Congratulations on all your success and how you're paying it forward. It's so, so exciting. I hope to see you at at a fintech conference soon. Uh, I'm sure we'll be connecting, but thank you so much for everyone listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Leave us a review. This is how we grow and please screenshot this episode. Tag us, tag Maya, tag Sanira. We'll be linking all of the handles in the show notes um, and tag Navit and share like the biggest takeaways that you have uh, from today's show. I, I definitely enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I'll see you next week at CEO School. Are you a female entrepreneur looking to take your business to the next level? Then you have to check out our CEO School April Retreat happening in sunny LA on April 20th and 21st. This is a two and a half day retreat featuring the most amazing presentations, keynote speakers led by yours truly. And it's a way for us to get into the room intimately and work on your business and create a plan for success for a seven or eight figure business. You're going to be in the room with CEOs just like you at your level, all looking to scale and build a community around you that's going to be game changer. You've watched our retreats online for a few years. You've been wanting to get into the room, and now we are opening up applications for this retreat. It is application only. It is linked in the show notes. I want to invite you to be in the room. Half of the battle is getting in the room. I guarantee you that over the course of that week, we are going to change your business. Come spend two days with us in LA. I will be working on your business. Imagine having my brain directly 
on your business, unblocking all your business blockers and creating that path for you for a seven and eight figure business. You're going to leave with actionable insights. You're going to leave with streamlining operations. You're going to learn how to build your high performing team and honestly getting yourself out of the day to day as a CEO. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to invest in yourself, invest in your business and pull yourself out of the day to day grind to celebrate you and to to be around women just like you and to learn from incredible mentors. Come join us at the CEO school retreat in April in LA on April 20th at theceoschool.co. Link is in show notes. Come apply now. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.